Psalm 142. A contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. David, not yet a king, but had the faith and the expectation that he will one day be king of Israel. And he wrote this psalm after spending time in a couple of caves being chased by King Saul and by uh, a king of Gash who also was after him to take his life. And he ran to a cave. I don't know if you've ever been caving, but if you've ever been in a cave, it's usually dark and damp and cold. There's rodents, maybe bats that hit you in the head, insects. Your bone, if you're in a cave too long, your bones ache. You're chilled. And I don't think they had North Face back then that you could wear good gloves and good outfits, good boots. Definitely affected you when you were in a cave. And why would someone go to that cave? For escape, for f out of fear, to hide. One of the definitions of a cave also was a den or a hole. But we know from the En Gedi area of Israel and also the cave of Adullam that it was high cliffs, rocky crags, places where mountain goats would go. Very hard to get somebody if they went into a cave. You, I could be in one cave and there would be a gully between me and you and you could be right where you are. And unless you had arrows or a spear, and even then I could just duck back into the cave. And by the time you went down your side of the cliff or the mountain and came up to my side, it'd be very difficult to get me if I had a head start. And we've been in the area of Engedi a few times. And seriously, you can just see you this close across the gully here. And you wouldn't have, I could talk to you. You could talk to me but there's no way you come, could come over and get me without making maybe a 20, 30 minute, you would have to go down and back up the other side. So David knew these caves pretty well, especially in Getty, and they're not sure if this particular cave was in Engedi or in the area of the king of Gash, but either way, he was hiding out. 
There were things going on. People were chasing David. And he went to a cave. This is the same David years earlier who slew the giant. He slew the giant, but here we find him hiding in a cave. He defeated a whole army, but yet here he's running from some armies. Isn't it interesting, the dichotomy? Sometimes things are going so well, your trust is in the Lord, you can take on the world. And then other times, you feel like you're isolated, like you're in a cave, or you're in a pit, or you're in a hole. Even though people can be always around you, you can feel isolated by yourself. As we look at this psalm, contemplation is a thoughtful observation. This is something David penned, he wrote, after his experience in the cave. It left such an impression on him that he wrote it down. And as we know, our God is a great God, and he uses the things that happened to people in the past for your instruction and my instruction. Maybe you're in a cave right now, a pit or a hole. Maybe there's one just around the corner. Many of you know what that feels like when you feel like you're isolated by yourself and you could be, have people all around you, but you feel lonely. You feel you've been abandoned. You don't know if anybody hears your cry. But we can take courage in knowing that Jesus hears our cry. And we're going to look at some uh, situations tonight through this Psalm 142. When I was reading it, I was thinking about Daniel when he was in the lion's den. I was thinking Joseph when he was in prison. I was thinking of some of the saints of old when they were held captive by either enemy forces or, like David, they had to go into hiding for reasons that didn't seem right to them, but definitely challenged their faith. They were definitely being challenged. This really happened to this guy, David. This really took place. We can look back and say, oh, wow, he was the king of Israel. But think of this. He was closer to the Lord in the cave than he was in the palace. He heard more from God when he was in the cave and in trouble than when he was isolated on the deck viewing Bathsheba when the people were out to war. Is it so bad when you're closer to God in the circumstances that seem negative, but they draw you closer to God? Is that a blessing or a curse? Or when everything is going well, and maybe you forget about God, and all of a sudden, there's the temptation, there's the sin. Verse 1, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. Notice how personal David makes it. I cry out to the Lord. I remember years ago, I was at a, uh, my niece's uh, Father passed away, and I remember her just crying and hugging her at the cemetery. And just a heartfelt cry. It wasn't a loud cry, but you could hear it. You could hear it inside, deep in her soul. Just that cry, that hurt. And here David writes this down that it's not we cry or they cry, but I cry. It's a personal thing that he's going through that he reaches out to the Lord with his own voice. Isn't it encouraging to know that our God hears our voice, regardless of the circumstances that we're in? 
that you can cry out to him wherever you are, regardless how much pain you're going through, how much agony you're going through, how dark the cave is. Because as Paul led us in worship, he's the light of the world. He brings light to a dark situation. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, Therefore I exalt first of all that supplication, and supplication is humble and sincere appeal to someone that has power to grant an answer to your appeals. It's no good going to someone if they can't help you with what you're going through. But we have a God that we can go to in humility and sincerity and know that he will answer us. We have a book here in front of us that we've seen him answer prayers over and over again. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, you know he's answered some of your prayers. And he's not going to stop answering your prayers. They not, might not be the answer that you like, but he will give you an answer. And it checks our heart, right? Your heart and my heart. Are we want, do we want our will to line up with his? Or do we want our will done, regardless of what his will is? Psalm 77, 2 says, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. And then it says to pause and think about that. And I was thinking about that with David. How he was by himself in a cave, crying out to the Lord, but how great it was that he went to the Lord. He wasn't looking for comfort anyplace else. He went to God. Do we? Do we go right to Jesus? Or are we looking for the comfort of others? When really the deep down need of our hearts and our soul is that fellowship with Jesus himself. Verse 2. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. What a God we have that we can complain to him. Have you complained lately? Or are you trying to solve your troubles on your own? It's great when little, when uh, children are young and they're dependent on their mom and dad for everything. The littlest thing. They run right to their mom or dad. They don't try to solve it. How come when we're older we try to solve it and we get headaches and stress and all that? Guys, how come we have to go through uh, by seven gas stations before we ask directions? Why does that happen? Why can't we just get, do it the right way? How come we take things out and we don't follow the instructions? We figure we can put it together. And then we find out we put the wrong screws and nuts on this one, and now we have to undo it and go back, and a one-hour job took two and a half. It's our nature. It's part of that fallen nature. Romans 8.26 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. 
You ever been in a place where you're hurting, you feel like you're lonely in that cave, and you just don't know what to pray? It seems too simple to pray, hey, Lord, just help me. And you're just like, oh, Lord. Well, he hears that. The Holy Spirit interprets that to the heart of God. God knows. God knows exactly what you're going through. And like David, he just wants you to go to him. Like Paul was teaching with the potter, right? He sees us. He's molding us. All of a sudden, he's got to to rip something out and start fixing it again. Because he loves us. But we need to go to that potter. We need to go to that, our God, who wants to take care of each and every situation. Do you trust in him at all times? Or is it sometimes? I think as I get older, it gets better and better. But I remember it used to be just sometimes, every once in a while. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you are with the Lord, regardless of your age, trust in him all the time. Pour out your heart before him. Make him your refuge and your strength all the time, good times and the bad times. Verse three, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path in the way in which I walk. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, another uh, translation of that is when my spirit fainted within me. Have you ever been to that point where you're just overwhelmed by everything, by just life, by just what's going on? And then you're with a friend and it goes away for a while, but as soon as you're isolated again, you're just overwhelmed. It just feels like a burden. But we have a God that says to cast all your cares and worries on him. That he wants to take your yoke. He wants to lighten your burden. Do we let him do that? Or do we wait till it's crushing us? And when it crushes us, you know where you end up, on your knees, and that's the strongest place to go. You're the strongest when you're at, on your knees. And then we can look up for help again. Psalm 61.2 says, from the end of the earth, I'll cry to you. Is that you and me? No matter where we are, we cry to the Lord. Wherever it is, he's going to hear us. There's no place we can go and be separated from him. Why do we try to hide out sometimes, like Adam and Eve did, right, in the garden, trying to cover themselves with all other things instead of just getting right back to that relationship with the one who's waiting for us, just looking for us to come back, like the prodigal son and the prodigal father. Why don't we always avail ourselves of the Lord? What keeps us away? And that psalm ends, and lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David went to the rocks to find the rock. David went to the rocks to find the rock. And the rock was there. The rock will be there for you. Jesus, the rock, will always be there wherever you go. Whatever place you go to. Jesus gives us a great example of what David was going through, where he felt isolated and alone. Remember when Jesus was in the garden and his own buddies were falling asleep on him and he was anxious in his soul. He had the anxiety, so much so that he was sweating drops of blood. And remember, he showed his humanness. He said, Father, all things are possible to you. 
take away this cup of suffering that I have to go through. But not my will, Father. Yours be done. Yours be done. You know best. Dad, you know best. Some of us remember, Father knows best. Well, our dad knows better than any earthly father what's best for us. And sometimes it's a cave experiences that we need to go through. It's those pits and those holes that we find out things about ourselves and things about our friends, who they are. David, when he was in one of the cave experiences, had that great situation where 400 men came to David's aid. It's in Samuel. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. 400 mighty men. How did that come about? It wasn't a vote. You didn't have to go into a booth. He was in a cave. They went to him there. They surrounded him then. David found out who the loyal ones were through what? Adversity. Through cave experiences. Always be alert. See who's around you when the toughest times are in your life. Who are those people that are praying for you, that are hugging you, maybe not even saying anything to you? They're just there. You know you can count on them. Those are your cavemen and women. We all need cavemen and women. Because they're on the rock. And we can find our security with Jesus and those he brings into our lives to support us. That's many of you out there. You've proven yourself. Cavemen and cave women. That's awesome. That's tremendous stuff. Don't take that for granted because that's God-ordained stuff when he shows you who's there with you. And then we continue in three. It says, they have secretly set a snare for me. So what? Who cares? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who's out there is going to take us out? Nobody can take us out unless God wants it. And then we're absent from our body. We're in the presence of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for taking me out. But until then, let's be about the Father's business, doing our thing and just having great times, a great adventure. Still love that Steve Curtis Chapman tour, the Great Adventure Tour. This is the great adventure. This is the great adventure. We're being built up every time we come and into God's word for the next adventure. What's coming? What's coming next? Could be a mall experience. Could be a flat tire. Could be helping some person somewhere tonight. Who knows? What's he going to bring? I have a friend of mine who's coaching with me. He's an ex-Marine. He said, you find out who the real Marines are when the bullets start flying. Anybody can be a Marine, but it's when the war starts that you find out who the true Marines are. There's Marines in name only, and then there's those who are the fighters. There's Christians in name only, and then there's the Christians when the, tough, the times get tough. And there's adversity. You find out. Who are the ones that want to be in the cave with you? And it doesn't always mean you might be in a cave 
because of wrong choices. You might be in a cave because of sin. But who are those cavemen and women who are there to surround you and bring you back safe and point you back to Jesus Christ? Who are they? They're out there. Some of you know that. Some of you know them personally. They're there. Maybe you're one of them. Praise God for that. That's awesome. Verse 4. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. And we see desperation here. We, remember, David is writing this after the fact, but the impression it has left on his heart. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Well, you and I know who's at the right hand of the Father. Interceding for us 24-7, 365. It's none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And not only that, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have a friend that sticks closer than a brother or a sister. We have some that comes alongside to help us and comfort us. He is our refuge and he is our strength. If we abide in him, we're under the shadow of his wings. His presence is always there. How many stories have we heard of men and women in uh, prison camps that have been in camps two, three, four, five, six, seven years and how their faith was just tattooed on their soul? because of the time they spent with Jesus in isolation, a cave experience. Next time you're in the cave experience, don't look anywhere but Jesus and get that sweet fellowship with him in the pit in the hole. Remember, it's the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet and the holes in his side that enable you to find him in the hole you're in, in the cave you're in, in the pit you're in. He's there. Look for him. He's right there. Verse 5. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Where is the land of the living? Anywhere that Jesus is. Where is the land of the living? Anywhere his people are. That's why... You always hear here in this building, don't stop fellowshipping together. There's interaction that's crucial between all of us as we take part in things together to get to know each other. Who don't you know here yet? Go out of your way. Introduce yourself. Get to know them. That could be the caveman or the cavewoman that you're going to need someday. Don't pass them by. There's no coincidence that the people that are here in this body are here in this body. There's a reason. And we all need each other. Thinking of Job. How everyone fled from Job. Even his best friends were the critics. But he never cursed God. He grew in a deeper relationship with the Lord. He complained throughout his troubles. But God wants that. If you're looking at him, he loves good complainers. 
He already knows you and I are trouble. <laughs> he already knows that. We've proven that over and over again. But he's a problem and a trouble solver. He's there to bring us out of the situations that we're in. Proverbs 14.26 says, In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And his children will have a place of refuge. Where? When we have that healthy respect and realize that God is, he's the author and perfecter of your faith and mine. And like that pottery, sometimes we have to go through tough grinding and shaping and dry periods and broken periods to become that beautiful vessel that he's making us. Think of the mud that's in a cave. And over, think of what we're made of. Think of the dirt of the earth that God made us from and how he's shaping it into a, something beautiful. He already sees the finished product. You're already in his eyes as beautiful as you'll ever be. We'll realize it when we see him face to face. Verse 6. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. You and I are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors. If there's a thousand against us, what does that matter? Think of the angel when the angel was sent by the Lord and beat 185,000 soldiers. Think of Moses when he raised his hands up and the seas parted. Millions of Israelites crossed the Red Sea only to look behind them and see Pharaoh's army destroyed. What has the Lord brought you out of and me out of that he's conquered in our life? You've been delivered. Yeah, there might still be that stench of it on your clothes, but he's cleaning that too. It's a progressive. We're works under construction. And he's a tremendous, tremendous construction worker just doing his thing in your life and my life as we go through our cave experiences. And who's going to accuse you of anything? Who's going to bring a, uh, something against you? The strongest people in this earth, it doesn't matter. If they throw you or me in prison, what does that matter? That means there's somebody there that God wants us to minister to. There's somebody there he wants us to pray for, to bless. Maybe that cave is... Loss of a job, loss of finances. Maybe that pit is an illness. Maybe that hole is a depression. Turn to the Lord. Look to him. He wants all your anxieties and stress cast on him because he cares for you. David knew where it was at. He knew he wasn't strong enough. It wasn't by his might wasn't by his power and strength, but it was by God's spirit, what God wanted, what God's will was for in his life. Finally, verse 7, bring my soul out of prison. 
that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Notice, bring my soul out of prison. Doesn't always have to be a physical prison. Sometimes, right, depending on what's going on in your life, your soul is locked up. Your soul needs to be free. And remember, like the apostles, when they were in a physical jail, they just sang praises to the Lord. And remember what happened? The doors of the prison opened up. Remember our buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were in the fiery furnace, and they were all tied up. Remember what happened to them? They weren't going to bow their knee to any pagan god. And there was a fourth man in the fire with them. It was none other than Jesus Christ. And remember what happened to their chains or their ropes? They were burnt off and they weren't even burnt. A supernatural release from their prison. What's the prison you're in? What's the cave you're in? David knows that no matter what cave he was in, there was always a light shining through. That light was none other than the Lord. What darkness are you going through? What are you dealing with? If you hear the name of Jesus right now, you're already seeing that light. How much you see is how much you're going to turn and face him. You know, I see a lot more light now than if I turn to the side and just see this one. If I'm facing in the right direction, I can see all the lights that are on in front of me. Are you seeing Jesus the way you should? What's hindering you? What wall is in the way keeping you from seeing the whole picture? Whatever that sin is, drop it. Put it at the foot of the cross so you can see him more clearly. James 5.11 says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The Lord shows pity. He has that on all of us, right? We've all gone through his mercy. We've all gone through his grace. And it's never ending. It's always there. So just like this last verse in uh, Psalm 142, bring my soul out of prison, Lord, that I may praise your name all the time. The righteous shall surround me. You know, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on from the heavenlies. But you know what? There's a lot of righteous surrounding us right now, surrounding you right in your pews. People you don't even know that are praying for you, even if they don't know your name. They're lifting you up. Maybe when they're driving to work, they're just lifting you up. That's invaluable. And the Lord says here you, that he will deal bountifully with you. If you've ever been in a deserted place or a dry place and you find some water or you're hungry and you find some good fruit or food, whatever, and it's bountiful or it's a smorgasbord, you can keep going back as many times as you want. That's bountiful, man. It's, it's a great feeling. There's no want. It's right there. If you have a need, you can fill it right at the table. So it is with our Jesus. He's bountiful. He wants to fill you and me all the time in all the ways if we would just avail ourselves to him. And remember this. David was closer 
to God in the cave than he was on the porch of his palace with the king's crown on. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you how you always continually...